You think we're sinful You fight against our rights You say we all lead lives you can't respect But you're just frightened You think that we'll corrupt your kids If our agenda goes unchecked Funny, just this once, you're correct We'll convert your children Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly And you will barely notice it You can keep them from disco Warn about San Francisco Make him wear pleated pants, we don't care We'll convert your children We'll make them tolerant and fair At first I didn't get why you'd be so scared of us turning your children into accepting, caring people, but I see now why you'd have a problem with that Just like you worried They'll change their group of friends You won't approve of where they go at night protests oh and you'll be disgusted when they start finding things online that you've kept far from their sight like information guess what you'll You'll still be all right we'll convert your children yes we will reaching one and all there's really no escaping it cause even grandma likes RuPaul and the world's getting kinder Gen Z's gayer than grinder. Learn to love, learn to vogue, face your face. Hello and good evening. My name is Josh and I'm joined as always by Aaron and Bob. And this week by Wordna Locom. And we're the folks who will be finding the method of the madness, reason and the unreasonable, make sense out of nonsense, because this is okay. Hear me out. How y'all doing tonight? Very gay. <laughs> Can I make a couple... Point out a couple things with that song, please. Yeah, please. Uh, so the slippery slope isn't a fallacy anymore. It's just a thing you observe now, right? Like, remember, it was just like, no, we're just fighting for uh, marriage rights. Yeah, in a single lifetime, it has gone from a slippery slope ar- argument to it is happening, and they are not only telling us that it's happening, they are bragging about it. Bragging that- about it. That and one other thing that just seems weird. Uh, I thought being gay wasn't a choice. How are they going to convert anybody if you're born that way? Now, now it's a, now it's a, now it's a choice. All of a sudden, if it's a choice, does that mean Mike Pence was correct about the electroshock therapy? Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> great. Everybody knows that you can pray away the gay. That is the power of Christ. Shock away the cock. <laughs> All right, Werna, our guest. How are you doing this evening? Good. How are you guys? Perfect. I'm excited to learn how the election was stolen from God Emperor Trump. <laughs> that oh is, boy, that is shocking to hear coming from Aaron, because we all know that he loves referring to Trump as the God Emperor and <laughs> all memes associated with that. <laughs> Honestly, that part is the best part about him. That's, that's the best part. I started more build the wall chance <laughs> than our Aaron. Uh, well, yeah, I think he became just like a vaccine salesman last year. But the amount that he like really made people angry, and some of the stuff he said, especially in his first like two three years, was awesome. I will admit. But overall, I don't think it matters that much. I think it's all part of like a script. But I'm still excited to hear about the. I even think the election theft's a script. Like, to make everybody pissed off. But I think it was rigged completely. So, I'm excited to hear the details. <laughs> okay. What if he's what if he's actually just a boomer? I mean, what, what if that's the outcome? <laughs> Boomers exist, I, I right? <laughs> that's, that's the real myth. That's Un- the real hoax. Unfortunately, Boomers. they do. That, that is a hard reality <laughs> that everyone's going to have to cope with until, like, in the next 10 years or 20 years. Hopefully just another five years. <laughs> the next, next pandemic... Right. Yeah. Then, then, then we'll won't have to deal with it anymore. Two more variants. The thing that he reminds me of Omicron variant. Keep telling you. Well, the reason that the thing that Trump reminds me of, honestly, is like he he had like a Bruce Wayne lifestyle. Like he has a building in New York City, Gotham, with his 
with his fucking name on it, like Wayne Enterprise. He's literally a billionaire that lives exactly like Bruce Wayne, except he's not Batman. And then he got to play a part where he turns into, like, the redneck superhero of, like, America. He just turns into, like, Captain America. Like, I don't know. The whole thing seems like it's an actor's part, but it's still me. I, like, like the most of the things he said, for sure. Yeah, he, he was kind of edging that he was going to run for president, like, for the last... 30 years or so. And then eventually he just, he just got Forever. around to every it. election cycle. Yeah. in this, um, you know, it's crazy about all this is like, I, you know, I never thought that anything was rigged before this. Like I knew that cheating was like a normal part of elections, you know, that, uh, you know, it's always like a back and forth, like Republicans kind of want, uh, things to be, you know, they want less people to vote basically. Like let's make it harder for the retards. And then the Democrats are always uh, trying to open it up as much as possible. But, you know, this is where when I saw all of this stuff kind of take place, it kind of changed my opinion a little bit to make it more like, uh, you know, I guess what I saw was like not congruent with that. There was a lot of stuff that was just happening and I had to process it in real time. And it, it yeah, it was a fucking ride. <laughs> and it, it's actually come full circle, too, because just this last week, the New York Times released a video I think it was titled, it was like a mini documentary, and it was titled like The Day of Rage, which they, they had used that title before for the actual first election that, that Trump won. They called it The Day yeah. of Rage. And then they, so they made this documentary and they tried to synchronize all of the video of the January 6th insurrection and then narrated over it. I'm sorry, did I call it an insurrection? I meant peaceful protest. They narrated <laughs> over it about, and like they, they made it, so dramatized it's disgusting it's disgusting how they did it uh it's well this is something that they've been doing lately is just reappropriating language to say oh no we didn't say it it was the other side that said it like the fucking uh now it was the right wingers that try to defund the police but fucking wait you what? know the... <laughs> that's the thing they're doing now they think that we're right wingers no no to... that was my representative that said that who is who's now part of the biden cabinet he said it was actually the right wing that wanted to defund the police. And, and their explanation is that there's this obscure bill that they tried to do. Like the 1994 crime bill. They're saying that because Republicans opposed Joe Biden's 1994 crime bill that turned everything to shit is that their platform was against police funding and that Joe Biden was for it. They're, they're making an oddly good case for Republicans not being racist. Huh. <laughs> it was actually a, a more recent bill that they did. It was like it was like a multi-trillion dollar COVID relief bill where basically they were going to uh, funnel all of this money specifically into Democrat cities like Baltimore and like Chicago. And then uh, they were there was no prescription for how they were supposed to spend that money. But they said because they didn't approve this bill, that that was defunding of the police, even though like it's a fucking guarantee they weren't going to spend any of that oh money on the God. police. Freaking love this shit, but <laughs> that's what they did with with this whole day of rage. Wait, wait. Thing. So, d does that mean that the left is like pro cop now if they're m maligning the defund the police movement? They're yes. larping as pro cop, <laughs> but so they're... so this this really was just a whole uh, police well, state move. Josh, you were with us in D.C. when we had the whole when we went to BLM Square and they actually had painted over the part that said defund the police. Oh no! I think that was, I, I don't think I joined you guys that night. I missed that. You guys were okay, well, the, the first at the point where they were putting up fences around the entire fucking Capitol Mall, they spray painted over where it said "defund the police" because they now control the police, and they all wore patches. They had military there wearing patches that said "special police." <laughs> that was so funny. Special police. What do they mean by special? <laughs> I've got more questions than answers, so. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of the Capitol riot or the insurrection, quote unquote, uh, the first insurrection, by the way, that everyone just left after like a couple hours and no weapons were like confiscated. It calling it an insurrection is so disingenuous it like hurts my brain. But uh, there's like a lot of evidence that suggests that was just staged with actors, like in my opinion. I think the Ashley Babbitt shooting is completely fake and staged. That 
I was just thinking about that earlier. It's I that, that's kind of the, the logical explanation watching the video, at least. Uh, I, I'm still amazed that, you know, seeing somebody within a couple feet of her as she gets shot have zero reaction and she's just falling to the floor. There's there's a gunshot right next to this person. No reaction. They just stand there. There are a handful of people, actually. Oh, it's it's crazy. We're going to go over that video in just a second. But like. She's the only death that was legitimate, quote unquote. Yeah. Because all the cop, the cops that died was okay. There was, wasn't there four deaths total. It was two cops that died that night of un, completely unrelated. They said the one guy got bludgeoned by a fire hydrant and or fire extinguisher, and that was completely debunked. That didn't happen. Yeah, and the was, other guy had like a heart attack. So that, that guy, had, yeah, the, yeah, like stroke. natural causes or stroke. That was it. Originally, they were saying it was like five people that died, and then they reeled that back to like three. And then it was like, oh, two of them died like a week later of other things. And then it was like, oh, there was one guy. And then the one guy, it turns out, you know, what they were saying was he got bludgeoned by a fire extinguisher, and that caused him to have a stroke. And then later, the coroner came out and said, uh, oh, you know, that actually had nothing to do with that. And he died like a week later. Well, that came out like two months later. That that news and that um, you know, the report of his death, the retraction of, of the report. The of truth, his death. the truth inevitably came out, and there was no way to fucking suppress it. So like, there there wasn't anything they could do because originally they just took everybody that died within like x amount of miles, and then they just said, "Oh, ten fucking cops died," and then the number kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. They they even had video. They even had video of the of the incident with the fire extinguisher, and it didn't come close to the guy because he was in that video, and the <laughs> fire extinguisher gets thrown, and they and you see that it doesn't even it doesn't hit him at all. He never got hit with the fire extinguisher. Well, so, yeah, yeah, there was a fire extinguisher thrown, and he was not one of the cops in that video at all. And oh so, like. <laughs> It, it, the narrative didn't make any sense, but it was it was a case where who controls the media controls the narrative. So tell, tell me if you know anything about this one, because the other death that I remember this because it's so stupid is wasn't they didn't they claim that a guy tased himself in the balls to death? That was a Trump supporter. There was no evidence of that whatsoever. It was just something that circulated <laughs> on Twitter. And then everybody was like, oh, conservatives are retarded. Uh, of course, it's true. Next, next thing you're going to be saying that there's no evidence of people smearing shit around everywhere. But, but there was j just this week there was a leak of an upcoming Suicide Squad comic book where they have uh, the one of the, the Suicide Squad criminals. I think his name is Mad Dog or something. Wild Wild Dog, who is uh, you know claiming to have been the individual who shit on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Um, clearly, they wouldn't have put that in a comic book if it didn't actually happen, right? God damn it, Josh! You're the one that just spread shit all over our podcast just now with that. <laughs> inane ranting about <laughs> comics his crazy comic posting in the podcast recording how dare you <laughs> yeah it's the first time he's let it leak over and ruin our lives so, okay i want to show you guys two videos and i hope the people listening actually look these up so we'll link them uh this one's just like a tiktok of somebody that somebody showed um and it's a cop breaking out breaking a window of the Capitol building and then a guy running up. That's one of the protesters putting his arms out and says, no one go in there. Cause he knows it's like a setup. And then the cop just like shoving that guy and harassing him and getting him the fuck out of there so that he can let people in through the broken window. He not only shoves the guy, but he raises a fist until the guy walks away. Yeah. He, yeah. He yeah, literally like, tries to punk the guy. Yeah. Here we go. It's perfect. This is after the cops were ordered to leave. So the interesting part about that <laughs> is that the guy that's doing this, he goes up to the window and he starts pulling glass from it. And then a couple people walk up and say, do not go in there. The guy is dressed 
like an off-duty cop. It's the funniest thing. Like, I don't know if you guys have figured out what cops look like when they're off-duty. They all look exactly the same, but he looks like an off-duty cop with, like, a face mask and, like, a hat on so you can't see him. But he he's wearing, like, a tack vest. He has khaki cargo pants on and boots. Like, he looked just like the guy that was... um reported all around the media that was carrying the zip ties like he looked just like that guy just more like probably 70 pounds heavier and like with an actual like you know with actual shoulders and muscle on him well like i'm we're gonna go through the ashley babbitt shooting now and in uh wait until you see that just look at the swat guys i want to see everyone's opinion on this Everybody that's a SWAT guy in complete full rack here, they all look like they are 19 years old. Like, I think this is just people LARPing as a SWAT team. None of them seem like, uh, Wordna, you were in the Marines. You tell me if any of these people seem trained. But let's start going through this video because it's insane. And uh, no one dies in it, guys. So I promise it's not graphic. You can watch it. It's the stupidest, silliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay, which yeah, video? That queued up. The no, Ashley Babbitt. You know, wh while you're getting that queued up, it's funny. It's funny you say that because when we were in DC and we were looking at the Capitol guards, like the guys that I saw there, I could look at things immediately and see that they're not in a defensive position. They're not trying to protect anything. They're all just arm to arm, linked up, like just standing there for display. And <laughs> none of them have rounds. They don't have magazines in their rifles. Like, they're all just there for looks. Well, they probably only and, had extended magazines, and, you know, those are, those are like, evil now or something, so they probably got rid of them for solidarity. They, none, One bullet. None of, none of them had rounds. They were all just there for display, and, and that's something, like, you know, I could look. That was something immediately that I told everybody, and then, like, a few days later, like, a lot of the conservative media started to report that that was the case, but, you know, that's something that it, it's just funny that that's something that everybody noticed. You know, um, I blinked on with that the video, troops. Yeah, we have the troops that staying there. Okay, yes. Let's start with this Ashley Babbitt. This thing's insane. So this is right at the shooting. Uh, it's the video starts on the the security guard or whatever with the with the handgun. But let's let's listen to this guy. Actually, this guy explains it step by step as we go. Also added a time code to Jaden X's footage, which we'll call Angle One. And let's review the scene with minimal volume. You'll notice how much chaos is happening on screen, yet our eyes are fixed to the woman because that's what we're here to see. No one seems to be concerned with being the next target. It's bang, action. It should be noted that everyone in the room knows what's going to happen. They all play towards the camera. Now, let's take a look at some of our characters. At Pause it. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> exactly. Oh my god. That is. No one cares that somebody got shot. Not a single person there is afraid of a bullet coming through and shooting and hitting them. Two people backed well, up, well, it, but Aaron. the guy right next to her just like looked at her and like kneeled down and like started like attending to her. Dude, there's like, a guy in a blue sweatshirt that has his back to the window where she got shot and is just kind of like meandering. Yes. Aaron, Aaron, you should know that in DC it's illegal to have more than one round in your gun at a time. And they specifically <laughs> did not see him reload, so they knew they were safe. If you see any real nightclub shooting where you just hear one bang, it's like, ah, and everyone fucking trampling over each other to get out the door. Like, there's not a single person here. They're all filming this. They're all set there to film it. There's a this cameraman who's just like, whatever. Look at this guy. Whatever, bro. Somebody just got shot five seconds ago. Every No one cares. And, and SWAT shows up. Up the stairs and look at these guys. They are all children. Let's keep going with the video. Adam Gray, our photographer. Taylor Hansen, Vetter, Rufio, Fredo, Yellow, Data, Jaden, Thomas Barani, Ninja, slash Evaluator, Secret Agent Man, or as I like to call him, Sam, Medic, slash Controller, Parrot Blocker, Shades, Red, SWAT One, Jaden is two, the Antifa guy, right? Frack, and our star, Rabbit. We're going to break. Uh, I think so, yeah this down together and we're going to analyze this with six different angles and in chronological order let's do this now this is medic coming into the room notice the enormous earpiece what's that about now look what red does he kicks the door 
Now we see Red either pick up something or drop something. And it looks like Medic does the same. And we know he's the Medic because of this patch or sticker. Here we can see Red has one glove on. And you can see Jaden in the distance. Now we're all kind of led into this room outside the speaker's lobby. We can see Medic has one glove on as well. There's Frick. Oh, hey there. And there's our star. They're just waiting around again. And you can see our star looking in the direction of the weapon. She seems amped up or nervous. And you can see we have Taylor Hansen on our left. Notice how Yellow hands Rufio the helmet. And notice while he does that, we can see Cop 2 and Fredo discussing. Almost like they're waiting for something. Okay, we got police coming up. Okay, we got police yeah. coming up. Wait, pause now this real quick. So, alright, he has a... It, this probably doesn't come over well just audio-based when you're not looking at the video because it's just... He named everybody in this video and he does like a real goofy delivery, but all these people do come up to where this girl gets shot. This is about 30 seconds before she gets shot. They're just standing around, hanging out. These look at these cops coming up. Is this a SWAT team, guys? Where where is this a SWAT team? Look at look at these children coming up in their uh, Halloween. They, they look like they look like fucking potatoes. They're not they're not well equipped. <laughs> they look like they've never worn a single SWAT uniform in their life before. <laughs> yeah, Basically. I, I've met SWAT guys. They're all like jacked bros that are like thirty. That are like ex-military guys. Or have been through a police academy their whole life. It does look like they just grabbed a SWAT uniform out of their dad's closet. <laughs> yeah. They are all like 18. They're all playing Call of Duty right now. Like they're all playing pretend Call of Duty. It's all 18 year olds. It's, it's insane. Uh, so. The, and there was that one guy just handing another guy like a tactical helmet. Like what was that? Like. What is this video? This is not, none of this is like realistic behavior in any sense. So anyways, everyone's gathered up getting ready to watch Ashley Babbitt get uh, fake shot. So let's keep going. Come down. Rufio takes off his hat, changing his appearance. He receives the signal and they leave. And it all feels a little rehearsed. And you can see Adam Gray push his way through. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. So the cop standing right in front of the doors just left. Yep. Left and everyone. So everyone could start bashing the windows. At the very beginning of the clip, there was two doors and there's two cops standing in front of both doors. And they were just like casually talking to one another. And then they say, go, go, go. There's no cops there. And then they start hitting the, the window at the door. Like, what, yep. what the fuck just happened to the two cops right there? I just rewatched Fight Club recently, and this feels very much like a scene where everyone in the security team is just in on it and like part part of the scheme. And yeah, that's yeah, this it it's really that. feels rehearsed. Like they, he goes, he points, like one cop points, and then just leaves, so everyone can start bashing the barricaded door. Like, keep going. Let's keep going. Let's get to the good part where she Now, this is orange in the front. You should also note that the glass is not glass, but plastic or stage glass. And you'll notice that this barricade was set up before they entered the room. You can see Barani and Red to the left of the screen. In about 30 seconds, they're going to make their way to the front. Notice how our star keeps looking over to the left, as if she's waiting for something. As the officers leave, they're pretending to talk to each other. And you can see how easy this plastic comes out. You see how... Okay, wait, hold on. To my point again, they're knocking the windows out of this door frame, and the cops are like single filed, heads down, walking the opposite direction. Yeah. Did, did you notice that they're, they all have their heads yeah, down? They're yeah, all crouched. Like they, they're kind of doing like that tactical thing where they put like the one hand on the, the person in front of them's shoulder, and like they're leading their way out. As. They're doing that. You can see in the same screen, someone's knocking the glass out of the frame. They got the stand down order, I guess. I, I want to ask a question, too, to because everyone knows that I will schizo believe this kind of shit. But like word knows here, uh, not a conspiracy, more of a boomer Republican. If you need to know where he stands, he's like a boomer Republican. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're what have you seen the breakdown of this yet? Yeah, I saw this video when it came out. I mean. The crazy thing is, is this came from some obscure, and I, I don't refute anything that's in this video. Like it's, it's just people picking things apart and like thinking about it critically. And 
Um, this is kind of how everything went throughout the cycle of the election was like, you had these obscure channels like Woo's News that were like <laughs> just putting out videos that were really important shit. Oh, you know? that's uh, info has been that way for the longest time. I, I just started picking up on it in the last like three years. But if you really want to get good information, you have to go to just random people that are picking up on shit and you have to critically think whether or not it's valid or not. Uh, you can't really just rely on the mainstream news because every single thing they tell you is a lie. Well, th this is, you know, something, this is kind of like picking apart a shooting to prove that it's fake, you know, but there's a lot of the shit that was happening during the election cycle, like, you know, all of the lawsuits and just regular shit that's going on stuff in the courts. That's just regular functions of government was like not happening through normal channels of media, which was, that's how I got into shit like this because it was like, you know, I just got used to going outside of the normal means and, and, uh, it was a common denominator with everything during that time period, you know? Yeah. It's the only way you could really get that info. Actually with that for how typically would they broadcast or advertise what's going on in, in court hearings and Senate hearings and whatnot, as in, would it like be on a TV channel, like say PBS all day, or uh, would it, would they actually cover it on mainstream news? What was different about this time going to say, uh, you know, PBS News Now or YouTube channel or whatever to watch some of this or the White House or YouTube channel to watch some of this. Not the White whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and so as this was going on, you know, I and I work from home, so I have like right in front of me, I've got two monitors. One, I do my work on the right side and I normally I have a video on on the left side. It could be the White House press conference or something just normal. Or, you know, maybe a YouTube video or something that I have going on over here. But um, during the election cycle, I would, if they were doing a hearing, I would put it on. But at first, I, like, I didn't have enough awareness to be able to understand, like, where this stuff was going on or, or that it even was. And so, you know, at first you would expect that, like, if there's things going on with a national election, that the media would be reporting on it. But it wasn't <laughs> happening in that way. You know, things were like things were happening, normal functions of government that you would expect the media to report on, you know, things like Senate hearings in front of state senates or uh, that have impacts on the election or uh, results of court hearings, you know, that are affecting of national elections. They would just completely they wouldn't even talk about those in the media. They wouldn't even acknowledge the fact that they were going on. What they would do is they would say, uh, Biden is the winner. We have declared him the winner and there's nothing you can do to say otherwise. And so like for me, I was like, it was a weird thing to witness because, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm normally that involved with politics, but like, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm trying to figure out like, where do I go to find this information or how do I just see what's going on? And, and it's not like it's reporting or anything. It's just live streams of stuff that's happening in front of the Senate, you know? And gotcha. so- I'm clicking that's where like RSBN blew up during that time because RSBN was like oh, the yeah. only person that was reporting it. RSBN and OAN were the only two channels that were reporting any of this stuff. And so that was where I started to kind of find my way over there because I was actively searching for it and trying to find where I could go to get information. And uh, that's where I would just kind of tune into everything that was going there. But I probably watched a hundred percent of the content that they put out. So well, we'll get well, to the election stealing in a second too. I well, let's let's finish this Babbitt uh, fake shooting because it's the fakest thing you'll ever see. Let's keep going. <laughs> you know how easy that is? Frack taps the back of Vetter. Jaden is the first one to give the command that there is a weapon at 34 minutes and 49 seconds. And you can hear others chanting the same thing. Notice that the gunman briefly removes his hand from the weapon like he's communicating, replying to his earpiece. Look how long it takes them to do it. Notice this person just walking in the background. If we draw a straight line from where the weapon is to where... Yeah, this is not how somebody would react to a gun being pointed at somebody right next to them. Like, oh, I'm just going to keep my camera... Like, they would... You know, there would be some sense of alarm. Like, they would be jerking the camera back or, like, running away. They wouldn't just be like, oh, he's going to shoot this guy. I'm going to just put my camera here to show you. Oh, dude, wait till you see the angle <laughs> of this shot, too. It's nowhere near where the gun's pointing. 
where our star is, you will see that they don't match up. The weapon is far below her neck area. And boom, right there. Now that's 15 seconds since Jaden announced there was a weapon. That's important. Now let's back it up 15 seconds. She gets shot in the neck. We can see this guy point to orange. Is Jaden the orange one that recorded the video? Move. There's three different ones and he has them times like synced up. Okay. So it's the same time. So we saw the one video guy videoing the, the guy that shoots. And there's a, he's going back 15 seconds to do another angle of watching Ashley Babbitt. So listeners that may not be familiar, like Jaden was a guy that he had been at other rallies. He was an Antifa guy and he was self-proclaimed Antifa within the media. And he would go to these events and report on them on the bias of Antifa and just say, hey, you know, this is fucking this is what the right wingers are doing. And, and like that was the entire purpose of him being here. So. What you mean is he's an insurrectionist that loves Trump. That's what he really is. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Movement. And look, the Hollywood glass just falls right out. SWAT 1 goes to Sam. Now why would Blue ever be in on this conversation? Blue makes his way past Yellow, where he grabs him, and you can see Barani making a hand movement. And he touches Red on the back, and Barani signals her to get into place. And she goes through, and she's ready to fall. And they all scatter. Notice this guy in the background. No one looks in the direction of the gunman. Yellow gets into place. Now that's Rufio. Right when she goes up, he turns his back. It doesn't make sense that Rufio's corralled all these people into breaking down the doors only to step to the side and turn his back. In this angle, Rufio turns to take a peek. Then he touches Red on the back. And Ninja automatically puts his hands up. Also, notice when she falls back, her that's, backpack that's looks fairly plump. That's not how people plump. react when a, a gun is fucking fired in a, in a no one cares. space. No one cares that a gun just got fired. <laughs> There's no, like, you would expect them to, like, oh, you know, like, jerk well, or, they, like, something. This part They were notified coming, of it 15 seconds ago, too. The, dude, the part coming up, too, is amazing. The, where they're actually, like, the guy that's the medic is, like, treating her. It looks like they just rubbed some finger paint, like, fake blood shit on her. And they don't do anything medically. Like, they don't even try to, like, hold the wound. Like, watch. It's crazy. Dude, the guy in that King Super or whatever the hell that store was called that was just, like, playing on his phone <laughs> had a better reaction to a murder, mass murder, <laughs> than the, the people in this video. <laughs> he seemed more alarmed. Yeah. He at least seemed alarmed that somebody interrupted his phone time. Like that, even the, even if even if gunshots do not alarm you at all, like you're somebody that's just used to fucking hearing them all the time. Like you're, they're in such a small space right now that it's it's gonna be loud. Like they're gonna do this, you know. Yes, There's really guys with assault rifles right behind them. This could have turned into a firefight. Let's keep going. This is amazing. I love the this. The breakaway video so much. for a fall, and you'll see yellow breaks her fall. Boom with his foot. And here you can see the plastic glass. Red gets out of the way. And interestingly enough, Ronnie moves down just to touch her. Just to touch her right backpack area. Just for a brief moment. While Sam comes down, he moves her, what, nine inches to his left. He's about to reach under her right shoulder. At the same time he does it, SWAT 1 briefly squeezes her right hand. Or he's putting something in there. When Sam picks her up, she puts her hands in front of her face. It almost appears that she opens her eyes right there. And she just puts her hands down. Boom. She sat down. Then her elbows go down. As Data and Orange move into place. Now Sam's going to make a big hand movement. His left hand is still under her right shoulder. Trying to give her a back massage and shit. Who rides this? And look how she's laying. She's still got her right leg up. It's only been 11 seconds since the weapon went off. And here you can see her curl the side of her mouth up. While a drop of blood runs out from under her nose. Which takes less than 16 frames. Here it is in real time. No blood. And there it is. And she has her hands like she's about to give a shadow puppet performance. It's just an interesting face to make. No suffering. It's like, boom, instant death. She's basically using that backpack as a pillow. All the while, look to Sam's right. There's Ninja. And Ninja's been there all along. And he comes down with him. And it almost looks like she has a smile on her face. It's almost like a Mona Lisa. And she's holding her right hand clenched like she has something in there. 
Now you have SWAT 1 coming in, playing a scene blocker. And notice how Rufio is just clamoring over SWAT 3, because there's quite a bit of photographers in that room. Now look, frickin' Frack, he grabs him in the back, and he puts his hands up. See how he just grabs him and, and he puts his hands up? They were friends earlier, remember? And look at Barani. Okay guys, I'm just gonna pull out my phone. And notice how he looks at his hand. He's gonna do that a couple times. And there's a reason for that. So now SWAT 1's making his hand movements, you know, the big pointing. And now he's gonna put up his weapon. And he does this little dance with his knees. Okay, thank you. Thumbs up. Like he's pretending to talk to someone. And he's like, thumbs up. And now Data moves in. He clumsily takes his book bag off. Now here it gets really strange. With the exception of her nose, at this time code we see there's no blood on her. 3517. We're gonna see her pop in right there. Nothing. 3521. But wait, boom. 3525. Four frames. That's four seconds. And now it looks like she's devoured some small woodland creature. Don't you love how blood defies gravity? But how is that possible? Let's back it up four seconds. Now watch. Notice how Sam moves his left hand from her right backpack area, and he goes to grab her hand, like she's doing a peace sign, with her hand, dips it in. Look at that movement. Now you can see him move his hand across her face. But look, she moves her wrist into his hand first. It kind of looks like she's smearing blood on her face, or putting something in her mouth, but you can see the movement. And he swats her hand down. Then he forcefully turns her head to the right. It's hard to see if those are her fingers or if she's holding onto something. Now Sam gets up and all he's doing See, he time synced that, so you see the one video where all of a sudden there's all this blood on her face, and then he goes back to this other angle up the stairs, and the guy literally rubs his hand across her face, her and her hand just rubs across her face, and there's a smear of blood down both sides of her face. My question is, if there are police officers there, the, uh, the SWAT team, would they let all those people just be like, be all over a body that was just shot not like you know uh, secure that area and you know check to see if she's alive themselves didn't didn't you see the thumbs up yeah well you, you, you also can't always assume that people are going to do the right thing in a situation in a situation so yeah yeah exactly that's that's where you have the you know the professionals there well okay, okay i think i think we've seen enough of this let's take a step back <laughs> to where it all started andrew wordna how does how does the story go yeah, so, I mean, one thing, just about that whole insurrection saga, like, you know, I've heard this time and time again, like, you know, and I, I grew up in an area that just has a lot of leftists, and we've talked about this many a time, and, you know, I just can't get to the point of, they try to view, you know, portray Trump as just this terrible, terrible person, and the, he did something that's just, you can't speak about it, it's just so terrible, he's worse than Hitler, and it's like, you know, when I drill into it and I try to ask them like what what's their deal with that and, and I get one of two answers. One is, you know, they'll say that, uh, well, Hillary conceded and Trump didn't. And it's like, well, Hillary spent the last four and a half years basically telling everybody that the twenty sixteen election was rigged. That she wrote uh, a book. <laughs> yeah, that the Russians hacked the voting machines. We had the first impeachment was entirely about that. And they arrested a bunch of people for stupid bullshit. You know, I don't know if you guys looked into like, uh, you know, the different guys in the Trump camp, Flynn and um, what was the other guy's name? They, they got arrested on like stupid shit, like tax charges and like just really innocuous shit that like doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. The implication was that they have some larger connection to Russia or like something like that. But it was just a bunch of bullshit. So Flynn, they charged him with a crime that nobody has ever been charged with before, which essentially is acting on behalf of the state when you're not an agent of the state. And they basically, this relates to the context of the end of 2016 before Trump was inaugurated because he was inaugurated in January 2017. And they uh, took the time frame where he was coming into office and Obama basically tried to poison the well, so he soured relations with Ukraine and, like, a few other countries. And Flynn set up – he did everything the right way. He set up, like, a uh, – what do you call it? A, like a um, – where they set up a cell, and they do a meeting with an agent of a foreign country, and they do it like a skiff. They set up a skiff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And they had a meeting with Sergei Kislyak, and they talked about it, and they said, hey, look – because uh, the Ukraine was going to put sanctions on us. And they said, look, don't put sanction on us. We're going to reel back the policy that 
Obama just put in place. So give us a month. It'll be over with the end. And that was pretty much how the conversation went. And then they charged him with a crime that was acting of an agent of the state prior to actually being one, which, you know, you go back in time. There was times where John Kerry went over to the Middle East and said, I speak for the U.S. government when a Trump was president and fucking just acted rogue, went completely rogue and just did wild shit. Uh, not only that, John Kerry also would take trips on election night to the Temple of the One to act as the uh, high priest of Azazel. Just putting that out I, there. I really, <laughs> I, I would hate to have someone who's uh, not formally, not in the acting position representing the state to dictate our foreign policy with Azazel. That would be, that would <laughs> <Yeah>. be horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what what Jimmy, felony is that? Come on. Jimmy Carter did this shit too. He he acted as an agent of the state and he went over to the Middle East and said like, oh, this is the policy. And it just wasn't even what they're proposing at all. Yeah, so basically they got him for uh, acting as sort of an ambassador a month early for like yeah. what they were going to do. And you know, you know that somebody's being charged with bullshit when they're being charged with a crime that no person has ever been charged with before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is kind of this is kind of what you're seeing with the, the you know the the Trump organization right now, where they're trying to go after that guy for employee fringe benefits, which is bullshit. You know. They're what trying to say, that? like, oh, you, oh, God, yeah. Like, the guy gave his employees benefits, and they're trying to say that that's, like, the worst crime against humanity. Like, you got to throw that guy in prison. But they're really just, they're trying to go after Trump. They're just grasping at straws, trying to get what they can. Um, so, yeah, they went after Flynn. They went after, um, geez, I can't remember the other guy's name. Starts with an M. Okay, but they went after a bunch of his cabinet members like right away when he yeah. first got elected. The other guy they went after because he had a uh, he owned like fur coats, and they said, "Well, he didn't pay taxes on these fur coats, and therefore we have to send him to prison." You know, and they just one after another they went after a bunch of different guys, and um, then the impeachment number one happened, and that was you know a whole thing. But you know, they spent four and a half years talking about how. Russia had rigged the election. They hacked into voting machines and they caused this to happen. You know, uh, Elizabeth Warren, um, Amy Klobuchar, they wrote letters to the Senate that talked about, uh, you know, how voting machines could potentially be rigged, how this is an, you know, an area of attack that they could come in and, you know, everything. And sorry, go ahead. What was the situation um, like? I think it was 2008, the Hearst hack, if I, if I have it right. Are you familiar with that at all? The Hearst hack? No, I'm not. Uh, there, there was an instance in which, um, I, I forget if it was, I, I need to uh, refresh my memory on this, but uh, effectively there was, a, there was a giant controversy for, I believe it was a 2008 election um, based on a, a certain uh, brand or certain company of voting machine and a ton of evidence showing how they how, effectively how results can be fraudulent or hacked um, and how all the traces are able to be covered up so you can't prove it. Uh, I, I need to yeah, double check what elections that specifically was uh, affected, but there, there already has been a big controversy in which they, they have proven or demonstrated a lot of this before. They had some good points about the voting machines, you know, and so that that's one thing that they were kind of right about, but they were alleging something very particular and they never actually like, if you're making a claim, you know, the burden of evidence is on you. You have to kind of prove your claim. You can't just make an assertion and then it automatically becomes true because you asserted it. You know, and so that was the case where Hillary, you know, they spent the last four and a half years talking about it and saying that Trump was an illegitimate president. He, did, you know, that Russia rigged the election and they impeached him for it. And, you know, they never could quite prove it. So it wasn't really a situation where they're in a position to take action on it, but they did it anyways. So, I mean, that was one thing where when the quote unquote insurrection happened, they said, well, this is something that, you know, Hillary admitted defeat right away. And it was just, it just wasn't the case. So it was just completely the reverse of what we saw over the last few years. And they pivoted on it so quick when it was beneficial to them. Um, so just a stats on that, like 67% of Democrats believe that Russians switch votes to Trump in 2016 
Uh, 78% of Democrats believe the Russian interference changed the results of the election compared to 76% of Republicans believe so in 2020. So there's actually more Democrats that believe that that vote hacking is real than Republicans. So, so okay. So, uh, it, quick, quick follow-up. It's the uh, Hursty hack. Uh, the Hursty hack was a successful attempt to alter the votes recorded on a Diebold optical scan voting machine. Uh, it was a 2005 thing. Yeah, I was I was not familiar with that. Um, you know, the one thing that got me hip to all this stuff in, in like. When I started during the election cycle, you know, Trump talked about it, too. He said that there was a good chance that some fuckery was going to go on. And, and we had a good picture of what we thought that might look like. Like they were really pushing the mail in votes and they were doing it successfully. They were going through the courts. They were pushing that you're going to have universal mail in balloting in virtually everywhere. Uh, Bob. For the votes. Your chairperson can issue him what type of ballot? really innocuous what she said there but if you really like if you listen to what she's saying that was you know and that was the tape that was taken at the voter uh the election training facility for the people uh in the detroit precincts that came out like uh maybe a couple months before the election and trump spent you know the prior few months like talking about it that there's going to be huge fraud that happens and and uh you know, he was he knew what was coming because basically this is something new I learned about elections is that there's two parts to an election. There's the part where everybody goes out and votes. And then the other part is the courts. The courts decides what is a valid vote. And their definition of that is entirely what decides the election. So if you guys aren't familiar with the adjudication process, this came up many times during the hearings was. You know, if I cast a vote and I go and I fill in two different bubbles, if I have absentee ballot, if I fill in Trump and Biden on the same ballot, who gets to decide who that vote counts for? It's not just thrown out? No, it, it goes to a new process of adjudication. And that adjudication process, it is in the hands of whoever is adjudicating the ballot to decide who it's for. Wait, and seriously? So, so, so whoever is counting yes. the ballot? Is that yes, the this... And when we talk about election fraud in the 2020 election, that is the majority of what happened. You can look at adjudication rates in the different precincts. Some of the precincts, it was 95%, 90%. Huge percentages that you wouldn't expect from a normal election. So so what, what do you mean by adjudication rate? So there, there's a person counting the ballot and they are writing down a tally for what votes are on that ballot. What makes it in, uh, I guess, adjudication case or a, a what requires there to be is there effectively the fact that there is a, a an ambiguity on the ballot that they have to then decide what it actually means right so it, it's it's in a situation of ambiguity 
but what determines whether or not it enters that process is like somewhat arbitrary because if they it's it's basically like um a problem of calibration you know josh somebody who's an engineer and bob you know you're familiar with this is like if you set it to where it's more sensitive like there's a higher likelihood that it'll enter this process so at a certain percentage you would expect that how you know what percentage of people if they were just to go in and vote how many of them do you think would fuck up their ballot people are pretty dumb uh, so i'm gonna uh, say 25 percent. yeah the 20 to 25 i think's fair i would say 25 percent. i bet a quarter of the people fuck it up normally yeah yeah, and so that that's a reasonable expectation, but the the adjudication rates that we saw during this election, you know, the average was like 50 to 70%. It was a much higher percentage. And and depending on where you set that percentage, it's like those are the percentage of votes that they get to decide how many of them count. You know what I mean? Dude, that that clip though of that lady was the sketchiest thing ever. Like the fact that they don't want vote watchers and they were setting tables up so there'd be like five feet behind them so they could tell them you can't stand behind me because it's six feet i need my six feet that shit's insane so you know that that was kind of what happened like there was um you know with with the uh, mail-in ballots we saw that coming there and it wasn't there's a process for changing voting rules and it happens through the legislature in the individual states you know, one common misconception about federal elections is that it's, you know, the rules are the same across all of the states. It is actually 50 individual elections in 50 different states for a president. You know, it's there's different sets of rules in every state. And so, therefore, you know, each rule has the ability to determine what the rules are for their individual state. And uh, so, go ahead. Uh, for my understanding, at least, is that there still are separate rules for local and federal elections. Like for for example, you uh, illegal immigrants can vote in local elections, and it, or it's not ill it's not it's possible to make it illegal for illegal immigrants to vote in um, local elections. But federal elections do have protections against things like that. Do you know what to what extent the federal federal elections can be standardized? Even, I mean, very little. There's like. The way that this is one thing that I learned, one of my takeaways from this election cycle was that it's most of it is determined by the states. And what happened with okay. those voter laws, um, you know, it's very insidious what happened when you really unpack it and you get to the root of it. Um, so you had uh, mail in ballots that were be pu- being pushed in all these different states. And most states, you know, have a process for mailing in ballots, an absentee process. And that process usually has comes with a certain set of rules. Like Wisconsin, for instance, or Minnesota is very similar. Wisconsin had very strict rules as far as absentee voting. And the only people that were allowed to absentee vote were people that were uh, employed in a different country and away on work, or they were so sick that they couldn't come to the polls. And so during this election cycle, they were able to change it to where anybody could do it for no reason. And you might ask, like, why would they make such an abrupt change? Well, that's where if you if you follow the money, you can really find what actually happened. Mark Zuckerberg took over a billion dollars and he donated to different states. And he said, this is a grant for your state. You know, you can have all of this money. It's a hundred million dollars or two hundred million dollars. And it's yours to spend however you want on elections to improve infrastructure, whatever. But all you have to do is follow this certain set of rules that I've dictated. <laughs> and those rules are you need mail-in ballots. You need drop boxes in these specific areas that I'm going to dictate. You know, Actually, and, I, and yeah, go ahead, Josh. I, I do have uh, a one short quote to comment on that. So I'm, I'm looking at the, the good old Time Magazine article from a few months back, the, the, secret history, the secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. And there, there's a line saved. in there. Uh, yeah, yeah see, uh, there's a line in it. Um, their work touched every aspect of the election. They got states to change voting systems and laws and helped secure hundreds of millions in public and private funding. So, yeah. so pretty much just going into the uh, the outline and admission that this was part of a coordinated campaign um, to change some of these voting laws, like, for example, with the absentee ballots. Uh, and it goes on later, too, to go into how there was a, a, a widespread marketing campaign and like focus groups to 
get convinced people to use absentee ballots as well. And they were pushing uh, people to put in drop boxes in states where it was illegal to do so. But what they were saying is that if your precinct, they were doing it precinct by precinct. So like a very small area, like a county or a city or a part of a city. And they were saying, if your precinct installs this, we'll give you a million dollars. And of course, they were all going for the low-hanging fruit, you know. Yeah, we found out that the counties matter. Sorry, Bob. This is all, let I remind everyone that this is all like their narrative. This is what they admit to. This is not of speculation. This is yes. what they did. It's right. documented and they admit to it. <laughs> but during the election cycle or like even after the election, if you talked about it and you said this is what they're doing, you were like you were just shushed. You were banned from social media. You were banned from YouTube and Facebook. You were not allowed to say these things. But then later when the Time Magazine article came out, they admitted to it. That's oh, the yeah. craziest part about it. Dude, you know what this like sounds exactly like with the Zuckerberg paying? It sounds exactly like when we went over uh, Rockefeller paying off the AMA doctors and replacing all the board members and changing all the accreditation rules within the government and paying all the government officials to change the rules so that the his, basically his own installed board members could give colleges the power of accreditation for doctors. It's exactly the same tactic. Jesus Christ. Except there, there are more parties involved here. It's not like just Zuckerberg. It's not just this, this, the of course. one guy who helped coordinate all this and all these, you know, uh, all these different agencies and uh, media organizations. It's, it's all of them together. It's insane. So, well, you know, prior to the election, that was all what was going on. Like there, the, you could see the rules were getting rigged in the favor of one party and all of this stuff was just happening. And it was like, there was nothing we could do to stop it. And part of that, too, is that the Republican Party, it, like, this is a new thing that I learned about elections. This is just, like, you know, uh, boomer rules for, like, how elections work. There's two parts to it. There is the part where people go and vote, and there's the part where that happens in court. And the, it's always, 100% of the time, every election cycle, no matter what, both parties have to put amount a, a certain amount of resources towards just defending, you know, uh, ballots in court and it's just the adjudication process and going to court and arguing that this ballot should count this ballot should not count and, and like really getting into the nitty-gritty legal process of how elections uh, are conducted that's it's really a two-pronged thing it is both parts equally and and uh, it's always been that way every election you know but and you go the, back i'm sorry question wait with how that's set up, do you think that there is a way to uh, make, you know, with having the voting and the, the court justification or court defense, do you think that there is a way to have with that system a fair, secure election or that something fundamentally from that needs to be changed? Uh, There's the difficult only one thing way I can think of. The difficult thing because of that second part the only thing you can really do is you can slice the first part enough where there's only so much that is affected by the second part. And I think there's a lot you can do there, but it's hard to make movement on it. Like creating a universal set of rules for, uh, you know, how secure the voting machines have to be and how the adjudication process works and what's an acceptable amount of adjudication before the election gets thrown out, you know, things like that. Okay. Honestly, I can only think of one way. You have to be a person who wants a fair election and has more things to give government officials and courts and all this stuff than Facebook and Google. <laughs> that's, it seems to me like that's the way you do it. You got to have more stuff to give them than those guys. Simple enough. Yeah, now we got the, now we got the plan. Got it. Got it all sorted out for twenty twenty four. Yep. Good job, Aaron. So, so yeah, <laughs> the the mail in voting was was something that was just happening, and there was like there was nothing we could do to stop it. And at that point, we knew is like there's a strong chance this election is just going to be fucked. Like they're just going to come in at the last minute with a truck full of ballots, and there's nothing we can fucking do about it. And we saw this playbook before. This happened in twenty eighteen in the Florida gubernatorial election. When uh, um, 
you had Ron DeSantis running against Andrew Gillum. Um, and I don't know if you guys followed that at all, but like the, uh, that was the first time on a major stage. Like I knew that cheating was a part of elections, but that was the first time where I saw it stopped in its tracks because what happened was, uh, they were like, they were pulling that old gag where they're like, Oh, we're just counting the mail-in ballots. Just give us a few more weeks. And Gillum was behind by a bunch of votes. And like somehow they just kept finding votes. They're like, oh, uh, you know, we, we found an office over here where there's like 30,000 votes for Gillum. You know, it's, it's just not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And then uh, they kept, the, the votes just kept sprinkling in. They just 